0: Now, the program to help you and your family get fit and stay fit with a biblical foundation without a one-size-fits-all plan. It's Faith Family Fitness with your host, Full Armor Sports and National Champion Coach, Jason Lupo.
1: Welcome to Faith Family Fitness on 100.7 The Word. For a long time, uh, researchers, psychologists, People have tried to theorize uh, the development of children, youth, adolescents throughout the ages, and there's a ton of different theories of development. And so we're going to touch on some of those throughout this next year. Uh, You'll see a lot of information on our website about them um, as we start publishing them. But today, what we're going to talk about is Eric Erickson's theory of psychosocial development. And so, Eric Erickson, his theory is uh, eight stages. It's actually one of the only uh, theories that spans the entire lifetime of an individual. So, it goes all the way from birth to, uh, to death past the age of 65. And so, it's a very comprehensive idea or theory about how psychosocial development works and exists. Now, uh, instead of rushing through all eight stages, I've decided that uh, we're going to break this up into a couple episodes. So today we're going to talk about stage three and stage four. Stage one and stage two is essentially birth to about three years old. So the first stage is birth to 18 months old. And the second stage is 18 months old to about three years old. But we're going to uh, pick it up kind of at stage three and go to stage three and stage four. We will be publishing some stuff on Stage 1 and Stage 2 on our website, faithfamilyfit.org. And I'm looking to uh, bring in somebody to uh, interview about Stage 1 and Stage 2 as they are not my expertise. And so I don't want to uh, step outside the zone of where my expertise lies. I want to kind of stay where my expertise is. And I will try to bring you in a guest that uh, can talk about that in their expertise. So we're going to take a brief time out. When we come back, we're going to talk about Eric Erickson's theory of psychosocial development. Full Armor Sports Teams has a new facility for after-school youth programs. It's
0: located at 2380 Montebello near North Academy and Union with two pools for swim lessons and swim teams, a weight room for powerlifting, conditioning, and more. Full Armor Sports Teams is a Christ-centered and family-oriented organization bringing the youth of Colorado Springs together. For more info on after-school and homeschool programs, go
1: to fullarmorsportsteams.com. Or call 719-629-SWIM. Welcome back to Faith Family Fitness on 100.7 The Word. It was 1950 that Eric Erickson released his theory of psychosocial development. That's when it was first published in uh, Childhood and Society Journal. Uh, Before that time, there had been other somewhat controversial theories of development in, in a psychological perspective uh, the most famous being the psychosexual development uh, that uh, was theorized earlier by uh, Freud, which you've probably heard of. And we're not going to talk about that theory today. We're we're going to essentially talk about a portion of Eric Erickson's theory of psychosocial development and pick off pick up at about three to five years old, which is stage three. So all of uh, Eric Erickson's theory involves this competition between a positive, a successful outcome, and what is the negative outcome. And it's labeled as such. And so stage three is initiative versus guilt. And so if you think back, if you've ever had kids, or if you've worked with kids, or you've been around kids, in that three to five-year-old zone. And what occurs during that age group of three to five years old is they start to play and they start to play on their own with other peers. That's when we really start to see this peer involvement in play. And there's a lot of creativity that goes on and there's a lot of assertion that starts to happen. And that assertion of a kid kind of learning to take control or uh, trying to have control over the game or how it's played, that all starts at a very early age. But sometimes that assertion can be perceived in a very negative fashion, depending upon your parental choice and, and how you choose to parent your child or how you see your child. But there is some truth to the fact that sometimes that age group can become overly aggressive and assertive. And so that's kind of the age where we start to, you know, see biting or hitting and we're trying to to stop the biting and hitting. But all of this occurs kind of at the same time. And so there's definitely a need for correction, obviously, if a child is physical with another child. There's definitely a need for correction, but that correction can also lead to a feeling of guilt, which we kind of want to develop that at the same time, but not to a huge sense. So success and failure in this stage is, is very influential in a child's development beyond that stage. Erickson theorized that success leads to children who feel capable and are able to use initiative or lead. And at the same time, failure can lead to a child feeling guilt and self-doubt, and therefore less likely to lead. And so what we have to do in this stage, what's really important in this stage, is that we find a balance. So when a child takes initiative, if it's met with praise we boost confidence and we boost initiative. Whereas if a child's initiative is met with criticism, we foster doubt and guilt. And so it's really important to make sure that we're responding in the right way for the situation and I know that sometimes parents can get stressed out. There's a lot going on. Maybe you have multiple kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the response in terms of how a child uh, shows initiative in any circumstance, our response is critical. And so we have to ask the question, I'm going to ask the question for you to ponder, how do you respond when a child tries to help a parent with a task? When a child tries to help you with a task, they might do it in a horrible fashion, maybe You know, they're trying to help load the dishwasher and uh, they've initiated the help on their own and they don't do it the way that you want it done. Well, at three to five years old, it's more important to praise that child for their initiative. And then when they're not looking, you reorganize the dishwasher and run it. That's that's a great response to that that circumstance. Maybe there's a little bit of teaching and directing, but. You want to make sure that teaching and directing does not foster this, this shame, this doubt where now that child is scared to help, scared to initiate a task. How do we respond when a child spills a glass? Is it with anger or then do we create this teaching moment of, hey, this is how we clean this up? All of this is, is critical to the development of a child's uh, initiative and feelings of guilt and doubt. And the same goes with asking questions. If we have a child that continually asks questions and we meet those questions with frustration or anger, we foster that shame and doubt rather than meeting those questions with an openness to that child's creativity, their imagination, their will to learn. It's like, uh, I don't remember who said it, but um, that the, the story of the dog, if you want to starve a dog, every time he goes near his food bowl, you slap him on the nose. And if you do it over time, and over and over and over, eventually the dog will become fearful of that food bowl. And you can quickly starve a dog. It's the same idea that When we have youth that are growing and learning, if you constantly slap the child on the nose or are frustrated by their initiative, you will find a child that will no longer take initiative, that will no longer lead, that is not assertive in their learning. And so if we want a child to want to learn, we have to be open to their questions as crazy as they are as many as they may be at a very young age. So we don't lose that initiative to learn that initiative to be creative. And so we have to allow for creativity and play as long as it's, you know, obviously within some bounds, but those bounds should be pretty far stretched. We don't want to correct how a child plays which I've seen uh, very frequently that a child is not playing the way that a parent thinks that the child should play. And if it's not hurting another child, let that child's creativity flow. Let them be free to play in a way that expresses and allows them to take initiative. And the second part that's become really big in a modern sense is this ability to allow for a moderate amount of risk. We've gotten to the point in today's society where we have tried to make everything overly safe. We don't want the child to get hurt. And yes, there's credence to a child not getting hurt. But if we constantly tell a kid, no, you can't jump six inches off that brick or whatever in an attempt to keep our child ultra safe, um, not only are we kind of taking away this initiative and will to play and want to play in an outdoor setting, which will haunt you later in life when you're trying to get your kids off to video games at 12 and 13 years old and you want them to play outside, but you've crushed that idea of playing outside by this moderation of risk and this risk adverse nature. And we've already talked on the show plenty of times about how the fact that our limiting play outdoors and this will to want them to be safe does not test the body's proprioceptive nature and our ability to understand where we are in space at a later time frame and when those children get into sports they have less body control they have less proprioception they have less ability to move and so yes there is an element to where we want our kids to be safe obviously i'm not saying you know let your kids jump off a you know second story building into a pool but There should be a allowable amount of risk, whereas yes, I mean, some playground equipment might be a little bit dangerous. But do we stop them because our risk tolerance is so low that we do not allow our children to discover their own bodies and how they respond in this effort of creating a low risk environment? Stage four of this Erickson's psychosocial development is five to 12 years old in industry versus inferiority. And this is the age where we have this giant immersion into the education system, into the school system, or if you homeschool, into the homeschool system. And the major influential uh, factors in this group is the teachers the peer groups, social interactions, and other mentors or coaches or youth leaders or leaders at church or pastoral staff. All of these are extremely influential in this stage. And at the end of the day, winning approval is a motivating factor in this stage. From five to 12 years old, these kids want to win The approval of those teachers, the peer groups, those pastors, the mentors that are in their lives, they want to win approval from them. And it leads to pride and self-esteem and competence and accomplishment. And if we do this right, successful development leads to a feeling of competence and able to take on new challenges. But there's also this learning to fail component, a child learning to fail is a huge component because not only does it lead to modesty, but it leads to the idea of grit, which the the grit research came after, you know, 1950 and Eric Erickson. So we don't necessarily see that if this were rewritten, I'm pretty sure that we'd be talking a lot about uh, a child's ability to overcome obstacles being a huge component of this age group because we've seen it as well, which means that we want the children to be challenged. We want them to, Uh, be able to embrace challenge, to overcome challenge, and to set challenges to where children have to reach for them. And that's that real idea of industry. So I I think we've come a long way since 1950, but this is a starting point to a conversation that we could potentially have for the next five hours. But a failure at this stage leads to a sense of inferiority. And so there's a huge uh, outcome in this stage. We either have the outcome of industry, a child wanting to be successful or a child feeling like they cannot reach the same potential as those other children and they feel inferior to their peers. This is also where that research from carol dweck and all of her work in a growth mindset comes in as well which we had an episode on growth mindset not too long ago so everything that we choose to do in this zone of five to 12 years old is going to impact what happens in a child's development just like in stage three from three to five years old what happens there how we choose to deal with some of these issues Becomes a contributing factor to their development from five to 12. It's a mindset that gets embedded. So we're, we're the, the choices that we make in terms of how we coach these individuals, how we treat these individuals, how we deal with the negative behaviors, how we deal with the positive behaviors. Impacts a child's will to learn, to succeed, to grow to lead and on the inverse, a child's will to disobey a child's will to not want to learn a child's will that they feel inferior. And that's a huge, uh, you know, continuum in between obviously, but we want to create children that want to learn. We want to create children that want to succeed, that want to help and not help from a fear of punishment, but from a fear of initiative, taking initiative. All of this is, is, is very, um, important. And I think we've seen throughout the years, we've seen these arguments about, you know, how do you get children to behave and you have a wide variety of perspectives on parenting. And are we parenting from a perspective, like through Eric Erickson's, uh, Theories, Or are we coaching from a, from Eric Erickson's theory to where we're trying to create athletes or trying to create children that have the initiative to want to learn? Or are we using some negative consequences and a fear of repercussions as a motivating factor? Cause if all we do is use repercussions as a motivating factor, we don't truly have that internal drive that will to lead that we're truly hoping to create. And though, if the repercussions and punishment is heavy enough and burdensome enough, then sure. We might get something that looks like a child wants to behave, wants to lead, wants to grow, but really that child's motivating factor is that of avoidance that of wanting to avoid the repercussions that may exist. I'm not saying that there should not be repercussions. Don't get me wrong. I think repercussions are important. I think that kids need to be held accountable to a standard, but we want those children to be held to that accountability. But the motivating factor should be a child's will to want to learn and improve and grow and develop Not strictly out of an avoidance mechanism to avoid the repercussions. And that line is thin and once again falls on a continuum. So all of these things are super important. I think it's, I think looking back as I prepared for the show and we could spend, we're going to spend an entire episode on stage five, which is those teenage years uh, next week. But when I look through Eric Erickson's theory of psychosocial development, we see so many things that occur in the development of the athletes that we work with. And then when you tag team that with the information on late bloomers and kids that maybe are physically behind that of their peers, this stage four is so crucial. Because are we going to hold an athlete that is physiologically behind their peers who appear like they're 15 years old physiologically in their bodies? If we hold them to the same standard as that 15 year old, we're going to create a sense of inferiority. Whereas if we educate those kids that, hey, you will catch up to your peers, they just hit puberty sooner than you did. And you just need to keep doing what you're doing and you'll be just fine. And we build up that self-esteem and we boost their morale. Then we create a sense of industry. and, And even though those kids may be inferior from a physiological perspective at the present moment, they will catch up. And because we haven't beat into them that they are inferior to their peers. Please don't do that, parents. If we don't beat that into them, then they will continue to show that drive. They will continue to show industry. And we don't raise kids that then have a feeling or a sense of inferiority because they are not as strong or as capable as their peers. And at the same time, if we don't have that modesty and those kids have not learned to fail that are developmentally ahead, when they get caught up on and they lose a race for the first time because they're no longer the biggest and strongest because they don't have the physiological advantage of puberty and we haven't got that modesty factor ingrained, then those kids don't know how to deal with that failure and they have trouble later in life. So this is, this isn't just a, uh, you know, this is a very well-rounded approach that we have to look at when it comes to development. And we can't just look at it from one perspective. We lo- we have to look at it from all perspectives, physiologically, psychologically, and social settings, all of it. We're going to take a brief time out When we come back, we're going to uh, wrap up this episode on stage three and stage four of psychosocial development. Thanks for listening to Faith Family
0: Fitness, a presentation of Full Armor Sports Teams. Teamwork is at the core of any successful organization. At Full Armor Sports, led by national champion coach Jason Lupo, A Christ-centered approach to sports fundamentals and fitness has earned his company the respect of athletes and their parents. Full Armor Sports is committed to helping youth in our community experience growth through sports and to strive for improvement and excellence. Further, youth compete as individuals coming together with a sense of teamwork, camaraderie, and support for one another. At Full Armor Sports, the reality is achievements, failures, wins and losses eventually fade away. But the bonds team members form through competition evolve into relationships lasting forever.
1: Learn more at FullArmorSports.com. Welcome back to Faith Family Fitness on 100.7 The Word. Today's top conversation, Eric Erickson's Theory of Psychosocial Development. We're gonna have all this information that we talked about today posted online, faithfamilyfit.org. Obviously, there's a lot of information to digest. We're going to try to put that into uh, some some pages that are give you great information that also give you realistic ideas and real-life examples of how you can help your children be successful. We find this very important. This is a critical part of our ministry. And this is what we try to do at Full Armor Swim and Sports Teams. If you're in Colorado Springs and are interested in learning more about our sports programs, visit FullArmorSwimTeam.com. Once again, the website for this show, and you can also find the links to Full Armor at FaithFamilyFit.org. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week at 9 a.m. on Saturday. This has been Faith Family Fitness with Coach Jason
0: Lupo of Full Armor Sports Teams of Colorado Springs. Join him at the same time next week for Faith Family Fitness on The Word 100.7.